to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. And, um, you know, in this series, uh, the Lord has really showed me a lot about how this deals with the church. And, you know, every, every time in here when he deals, it says, and to the angel, chapter 3, verse 1 says, and, un, and unto the angel of the church of Sardis write these things, saith he that hath the seven spirits of God. Now, he addresses this letters to, to the angel, which is, we, we've talked about this, this is the pastor. Angels don't teach us anything. All right? It really is saying here the pastor. He addresses, God goes through order. He speaks to the pastor good things and, and tells him good things to tell the church. He brings correction to the pastor and then has the pastor tell the church. All right? So we understand that that's how God, how his order works because the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's how he operates. So one of the things that happens is if somebody is not in a church, there's some things that they're just not going to hear. You'll hear things from home. All right, God will speak to you there. But there's some things, divine orders, that he will only give to you in church, and you'll only, you'll only get it. Because there's some things we see here uh, in the Word that he, he talks about uh, things that are revealed to you. But it says here, under the, ch under the church, and I want to talk about that. I don't think I've talked about this, but that word church in the Greek is ecclesiastia. Ecclesiastia. Am I saying that right? Ecclesia. Okay. It comes from two Greek words. It means the called out ones. Now, that word ecclesia was not a Christian word because ecclesia was something that, that, that described people in Rome that were called out from the community to make rules and regulations over their, their city. All right, so when the, 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 the Christians started calling the church the Ecclesia, all right, or, or Ecclesia, Ecclesia, thank you, Ecclesia. When the, the Christians started calling it Ecclesia, all right, the, the, the Romans were extremely upset because that was a word that was reserved for their hierarchy of, of creating laws. But see, what it does is it says, we are the ones that are called out to set the standard, to set, to set judgment, to set things in order. All right, so that's what Jesus is saying to this church. Now, let's read quickly here. He says, these things saith he that has seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you live, but you're dead. And notice what he's saying here. Jesus is saying to this church, I know your works. He's been walking among you. You have a name and you, and, you, and you live, but you're dead. Your works are dead. He says, be watchful, all right, and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. So what's happening at, at, at this church in, in Sardis is they're dying. And, and, and Jesus is warning the church, you're, die, you're dying spiritually, you think you're alive, but you're dead. And he, he says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. So his, his plea to this church in Sardis was, there, there's people that are already dead, but those that remain that are still alive, strengthen them. Focus on them. Don't focus on the ones that are already dead. 
Focus on the ones that are struggling right now. Strengthen them. They're ready to give up. Don't let that happen. He says, For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you, how you have received and heard and hold fast and, rep- and repent. Now, he says, if, if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know the hour I will come upon you. It's not saying Jesus was a thief. He said, I'm going to come upon you as a thief, meaning quickly, unexpectedly. He says, thou hast a few names, even the Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. So he said, there are some people in Sardis, you haven't defiled your garments. So he's not, you know, he's, this correction is not for everybody, but there are some there that it is for. He says, uh, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him what the Spirit says unto the churches. Now let me just give a brief explanation of what's going on here, because there's a lot being said here. Sardis was a different type of community. There was a, there was a king, Croesus was the king uh, of, of Sardis. And to the north, upriver, basically upriver from Sardis, was another king, all right, uh, King Midas. Midas was a real king. And it, the legend has it that King Midas prayed to his God to make him rich. And that the gods granted him his wish, and everything he touched turned to gold. His utensils turned to gold. His throne turned to gold. He touched his daughter. She turned to gold. Very quickly, he realized, he said, this, this what I wanted to be a blessing, is a curse. So he prayed to his God again, and, he, and his God said, Go into the river and wash this off of you, and he'll, it, it'll, it'll leave you. Well, he, he did that, and of course, supposedly, it, uh, through legend, it went down through the river, and a lot of it gathered in this place called Sardis. So Sardis was a very wealthy community because of a lot of these deposits and that that the people found. You know, the Bible doesn't say that, but that's just legend. But that's what was happening at Sardis, okay? And, 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 and what had happened is there was people there, there was Christians there that had not defiled it, but others had. They, had, they thought they were alive, but they were dead. And then Jesus gives this warning over here in, um, in the last place. He says, in verse 5, He that overcomes... The same shall be clothed in white and raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Now, you know, when I first started seeing this, I thought, I thought that was talking about uh, losing your salvation. And there was times I even taught that. But what I found, have found out that the book of life that Jesus was talking about was in each of these cities, in all these cities, at the gates of the city, they had a book of the living and they had a book of the dead. All right, each city had this posted. If you were found, if your name was found in the book of the living, you had certain rights in that city that that you were able to do because you were listed in the book of the living. But if you were found in the book of the, of the dead, 
you had lost those rights or you were dead. And really, that's what Jesus was saying to them. He said, you think you're alive, but you're dead. He said, if you repent and follow, and follow me, all right, then I won't remove your name from the book of life in the city and put it in the book of the dead. And that was his warning. He said, he said, strengthen the things that remain. You think you're a church that's alive, you're dead. But there's a few of you. There's a few of you, and you'll find this in every church. He, he said in every church, there was, there was a few people that were living right. But he brought correction to almost every church. All right? So let's go on here to the next one. He says, and, and to the angel of he that is holy, and he that is true, and he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know your works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no one can shut it, for thou hast little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not de denied my name. Now, the church of Philadelphia, you have to understand, was one of the easternmost Oh, uh, I'm sure, yeah, easternmost uh, cities uh, in, in uh, the region of Turkey. When you went further east of Philadelphia, you basically went into the unknown. It was the last stop to go out into the unknown uh, world of that day. So Philadelphia, which was named uh, after a, a citizen whose brother that died in his, love, his great love for his brother, which thus uh, brotherly love, that's where there's the name of that city that was given, Philadelphia. Today, there's very little left of that city. I mean, there's, a, there's remnants of a theater uh, and one or two other places, but Turkey has come along over the years and, and rebuilt over that city because Philadelphia, had, it was a place where many earthquakes took place. There was, there, as a matter of fact, I think it was 17 AD that there was an, an earthquake that leveled the whole city and uh, the Roman, one of the Roman emperors agreed to, to, to give money to help rebuild the city, but he also made the citizens of Philadelphia, he increased their taxes to help rebuild that city, and they did. So the, the people of that city were very tax-burdened. It was very stressful. They, you know, they, they, they didn't have a lot of money. But Philadelphia, the church in Philadelphia, and here's one thing the, the Lord has showed me, it was one of the smallest churches compared to the other churches. It was a very, very small church. And this is the only church that Jesus didn't give correction to. Think, I want you to think about that. So when people desire a large church, what are you looking for? You're looking for a lot more correction to come in your way. Because it's a lot easier to teach small numbers of people than large numbers of people. So he said this, he said, he said, these things saith he that is holy and is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. Philadelphia was called the, the door to the east, to the rest of the world. That's what Jesus is speaking about. He is the one that has the keys. Jesus has many, many keys. And he's the one that through that process of you developing that relationship with him, all right, because of your relationship with Jesus, he'll open a door that no man can open. 
He'll shut a door that no man can shut. And it's all because of your relationship with the Lord. Or it could be the reason why a door is not open is because of a lack of relationship. But your relationship is what causes him to open doors that no man can open and close doors. So that's what he was saying to the church of Philadelphia. He said, he said, he that opened the door, he says, I know your works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. All right? I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for you have a little strength. In other words, what he was saying, you, you, you don't rely on your own strength. He wasn't saying they were weak. He was saying that they didn't do things uh, on their own. They relied on the Lord. Their strength was in the Lord. It wasn't in their might. So he's he's commending them. He says, you have an open door and no man can shut it. For you have a little strength and you have kept my word. And you have not denied my name. He didn't say that to the other churches. He didn't say to the other churches, you've kept my word. Only to this church in Philadelphia does he say this. He says, you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but they do lie. Behold, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. And we have the same thing today. We, there's, there's people out there, they call themselves Jews, but they're not really Jews. They're not really Jews. And what, what the Father is saying, he says, I'm going to cause them to come and worship at your feet. The church of Philadelphia. Why? It's, all, it's the only church that kept his word. He didn't say that about you. You have kept my, my, my word. He said, verse 10, because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold, hold that fast which you have, that no man may take thy crown. He that overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the church. Now, the, great, the temptation that he's talking about here, notice he says this, I also, in verse 10, I will also keep you from the hour of temptation which shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth. What's he talking about there? He's talking about the seven years of tribulation. It's seven years that's going to come upon the whole earth. But he only says this to the church of Philadelphia. All right? Because what? They kept his word. Now, there was, there was a remnant in other churches that kept his word, and that would apply for them too. But keeping his word, basically he's saying, you will not go through what the rest of the world's going to go through. He didn't say that to the other churches. So there's an understanding. Just because you say that you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to go out in the rapture. 
Not at all. We've got to get serious, church. We have to get serious about the things of God. And when I look at the church today, and uh, me and uh, I say I, other pastors too, we see the same thing. We see Christians that aren't serious about the things of God. Christians that take the Word of God and twist it and make it fit their lifestyle. I'm sorry, but the Word does not say to make take the Word of God and conform it to your life. It says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the world's way, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change how you think. Cause your thinking to line up with the Word. But a, a lot of Christians today, they're too busy for God. They're too busy to come to church. They're too busy to sit and listen. They've got other things to do. And see, Jesus was saying to the church of Philadelphia, they didn't treat God that way. They were serious about God. And they came and they kept his word. And he said, because you do these things, I will keep you from the hour of temptations that's coming upon the whole earth. But he didn't say that to the other churches. So what's happening is, you're going to see Christians that remain here because why? They, they didn't keep God's word. I mean, when, when, you, when you look at this, and again, as I said last, uh, well, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, the, and the Lord said to me, I asked him, I said, well, Lord, what about the Christians that are unchurched? He said, I didn't write any letters to them. They're already in rebellion, and they know it. You know, the more I thought about that, what the, what the Father said, I was like, well, you know, when you're in sin, how many of you, I, you know, I, I've been in sin before. I know I'm in sin. I know I'm in rebellion. I don't need a, a, a preacher or somebody to come to me and say, brother, you're in sin. I already know it. As a Christian, you already know it, right? So people that are living outside of the Word of God... What God has called, again, if God's going to speak to the angel of the churches, and like he did the Church of Philadelphia, Sardis, Thyatira, and the, and the others, to give a word of encouragement or give a word of correction, how are you going to hear it if you're not in church? If you're not a member of a church? You're not. You're just simply not. And there's, there's you know... I, I've seen this a few years ago. One of the fastest growing churches in the, in the country, not in the world, in the country, is the unchurched. And every time I hear people that are part of that, the, the stuff they say is just nonsense. They'll mix a little bit of truth with a lot of nonsense. And, you know, you pray for them and you, you, you try to talk to them. But, see, rebellion is really funny. When you're in rebellion, you know it. And Jesus never cast a spirit of rebellion out of anybody. He didn't. Remember the rich man that came to him and said, uh, what, what, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? He said, sell all you have, give to the poor, come follow me. And it said, he went away. Jesus didn't stop him. No, Jesus didn't stop him at all. He didn't say, hold on, brother, wait, 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 wait maybe, maybe we can make an exception with you. No, it says he, he went away from him because he had much. But see, one of the things, when you study that out, Jesus didn't tell him to give everything he had to the poor. He says, sell what you have, 
give some of that to the poor and come follow me. You can keep the most of your, your riches, but come follow me. Well, see, he didn't want to do that because he, he likes spending Sundays on the lake water skiing with his friends. He, he liked during the wintertime going up to the mountains and snow skiing and not, and not having to spend time uh, you know, at church or anything like that. He liked those things. Jesus didn't say anything to him. He said, sell what you have, give to the poor, come follow me. And the man went away because he had much. So, see, it's really kind of clear how, how God deals with people, but, you know, and I, and I understand that's why we pray for them. They're deceived under these things. But we look on here, let's go on to the final church. He says, And unto the angel of the church of Laodicea write these things, saith the Lord, Amen. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I'll spew you out of my mouth because you sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and I have need of nothing. And you know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and you're naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, and that thou mayest be clothed, and that thy shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him to be with me. To him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Now we have a very interesting church here. He says, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. He said, I, I, you, know, you, you know, in natural thinking you would think, well, what's wrong with lukewarm? Lukewarm is a little bit of both. You know, it's not cold or, or hot. Why, why isn't lukewarm okay? Why, why isn't it lukewarm? I would think lukewarm would be at least, at least you're, 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 you're in between. But see, that's not what was going on here because you have to understand this church here at Laodicea laid in a valley. And there was two cities about 10 miles away. There was Hierapolis. And one of the things about Hierapolis is it had a hot springs. And people back in that day would travel to Hierapolis because of the, the, the healing qualities of the hot springs. So what the people of Laodicea decided to do was they were going to build an aqueduct to bring the waters from, Laodicea, from Hierapolis to Laodicea. The problem was is after they, they built this aqueduct and started bringing the water from there from Hierapolis, to Laodicea, by the time the, the hot water got there, it had lost its heat. And it went from very hot water to just lukewarm water. And so the healing qualities of bathing, I mean, kings and queens and princes would come from all parts of the, the Middle East to Hierapolis because of that. And so the Laodiceans thought, well, if we can get that hot water here, they'll come here and they'll spend their money where? Here. 
But one of the things that happened, like I said, by the time the waters made that travel, that distance, they cooled off and they were no longer hot. And then you had Colossae, which was, was up on a mountaintop. And it was known because of the cool, refreshing waters that it received from the snow-capped mountains just above it. Those waters, as the, as the ice would melt, the, waters, the water would come down, and it was nice and cold water. So during the summertime, it was refreshing. So the Laodiceans did the same thing. They built another aqueduct pipe. They laid pipe to bring the water from Colossae all the way to Laodicea. The problem is the same thing happened. The cold, refreshing waters of Colossae as it traveled from the top of the mountain down into the valley into Laodicea, by the time it got there, it wasn't so cold. But another thing actually transpired too is because the piping they used had lead qualities in it when they, when they went to taste the water, not only was it lukewarm, but it had that, that awful taste of that lead, and, and they just they would spew it out of their mouth. They would spit it out. It was worthless. And that's what Jesus was saying to the Laodiceans. He said, I wish you would be hot or cold, but you're warm. You basically, you're worthless. And that's the comparison he was speaking to the church of that day. They understood it because of what had happened in the community with the hot water of Hierapolis and the cold water of Colossae. All the work and effort that they put in was totally worthless. It didn't do them any good. And Jesus says, I will spew you out of my mouth. You're dead. Okay. Then he says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, and that you may be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that thy shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint your eyes with eyesalve that thou mayest see. Now, Laodicea had an eyesalve in that day. It was a powder, and they actually discovered that the powder, when put in eyes, did have a medicating effect. And Laodicea in that day was known for this eye salve or eye powder that they put in. If you had a, a real bit major problem with your eyes, your eyes, you could put this powder in, and it actually did work. So that's what he was saying to them about putting the eye salve in so that you could see. Because he's saying, you can't see, you don't even see what's going on. You think everything's okay. And you know what? A lot of churches are this way. A lot of people in churches are that way today. They come to church and they think, well, everything's okay. And they hear this message preached and it, it, it bothers me every time because it's deception. And here's the message. Whatever's going on, just remember, God is in control. That will get you removed from this planet faster than anything. Because if that's all he needed to preach, tell us that God was in control, we don't need all this. He could just say, here's your little book, God's in control, or about anything. Don't pray, don't use your faith, you don't need to because God's in control. That is a doctrine of devils that Paul talked about. And Jesus didn't say to this church, look, just remember, I'm in control. He didn't say that. He said, clean up your act. And then he comes on down here, he says, um, as many as I love, I rebuke, I chasten them. 
Be zealous, therefore. But back up in verse 18, he says, I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire. What's, what's gold tried in the fire? He's talking about going through an experience with Jesus because when you decide in your life, all right, that your ways aren't working and you turn to Jesus Christ and you ask him to come in, all right, and I don't tell people this. I don't say that because you got born again, your life's going to be smooth as silk. Oh, no. Oh, no, the, hells of, the gates of hell are going to come against you. The truth is, the gates of hell are going to come against you, and they're going to try to beat you. So you better, you better get into this word. Now, God's grace and mercy is going to protect you for a, a, a time. I don't know how long that is. I don't know if it's a month, a year, 10 years, 20 years. I don't know. But the sooner you get a hold of this word, you get into this word, and you start increasing your faith, and you start speaking the things of God, all right, when the attack comes, guess what? You're going to be prepared. You're going to be prepared. And that's what he was saying. Buy from me that you may be rich. And he's not just talking about finances. He's talking about rich in faith and white raiment. So what's he talking about? This is a person that's not only rich in faith, but they're, they're, these are people that are living holy lives. That's what Jesus was saying to this church. You're not living a holy life. Buy from me gold tried in, in fire. Walk with me. Go through this fire because there's one thing about the fire. The fire of God is going to clean all the impurities out. You know, I heard, heard a story about somebody going to, I don't know if it was Branson or one of these places, Silver Dollar City, I remember in, in, in Missouri had one years ago. But they had these uh, silversmiths. And uh, somebody was watching the silversmith make this, make whatever he was making, whether it was medallions or, or spoons or whatever. And uh, they were asking about the process. And they, and they asked him, said, well, how do you know when the silver, all the impurities are gone out of the silver? And he said, well, I heat, first of all, I heat it up to extreme temperatures and get the silver melted. And then after a while, after this heating process has taken effect, all the impurities are cooked out of it. And he said, well, how do you know when, when it's ready to pour into the mold? He said, when I can look in the silver and I can see myself, then I know it's ready. That's what the Lord is saying to us. He's saying to the church, when I can look at you and I can see myself, that's when you're ready. And you have to ask yourself this question. If most Christians were honest, they would, they would be able to say, Jesus can't see himself in my, in my life because I'm not like him. And now, don't get in condemnation. Understand, it, you're a work in progress. That's why you've got to continue in that work. Keep working in that process. Don't give up. Don't quit. Hang in there. But here's a, a, a final thing I'm going to say here. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. Where was Jesus at in this church? He was at the door. He wasn't even inside. This is a strong word of correction. He was saying, you don't even know me. 
He said, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. And this word knock means to rap aggressively. All right? He was standing at the door and knocking hard. Let me in. If you'll open the door, I'll come in and I'll sup with you and you with me. In other words, he's saying we'll have fellowship. We'll have, we'll have an exchange. We'll have a relationship. So what was he saying to the church of Laodicea? He was saying, you don't even have a relationship with me. You think you're, you're okay, but you're not. This was a warning to that church. And it's really a warning to today's church that when we look at this, where are you at? You've got to look in here. Where am I at in this? Where is God in my life in, in respect to these churches? Because how is Jesus dealing with me? Is there things in my life that, you know, I can, tr I can honestly say, Lord, I know this is a problem. I've been working on it with you, and I've been confessing to you. I've been asking for your help. Okay, he's working with you. But more importantly, what areas in our lives is Jesus looking at and saying, it's not right, and you don't even know, you don't even know it's not right? That was the correction that would happen in all the other, these other churches. There was things in their life that wasn't right, and they didn't even know it. Why? Because they weren't listening. They weren't listening to what the Word was saying to them. They created their own scripture. They, cre they created their own, their own um, uh, plan for God in their life. And, God brought, and the Lord brought correction to them. Hallelujah. But he says here, his final one, he says, To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I have overcome and sat down with my Father. All right? To him that overcomes. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Jesus is saying to you and to me, if we will overcome. Don't quit. Don't give up and say, well, you know, this is just the way it is. You know, I've heard Christians say this, this phrase before. Well, it's my cross to carry. No, it's not your cross to carry. Jesus already carried the cross for you. Yes. All right? That's, your, your thinking's messed up. Your thinking's not right. Where you need to be is you need to be in the house of God, participating in receiving what heaven has for you, all right, so that you can grow. And I'm not saying you know, people can't sit at home and read the Bible. They should be reading the Bible at home. They should be studying their word at home. God should be a part of their everyday life. But to sit at home and think, well, you know, I don't have to be, I don't have to be a member of a church, you know, it's just, it's, it's goofy. It's strange thinking. You know, it goes back to that story that I, I think I said before, you know, have you ever gone to a restaurant and had a bad experience? Well, everybody, everybody can say that. And if you can't say it, I'll tell you right where to go in town. Because there's a restaurant you'll go, and you'll have problems there. And then you can answer this question. Do you still go back to restaurants? Well, sure you do. Even though you had a bad experience, you still go back. Same thing for churches. Just because you had a bad experience at one church, there's other churches out there. And when you find the perfect one, you'll have to leave because you're not perfect. All right, so what I'm saying is every church has problems. Don't go there and look for the problems and reason to leave. Go there and look, are you hearing from heaven? Are you being taught the word of God? Are you getting something? Are you getting a revelation that you didn't have? That's where you want to be. 
Because you'll, you'll receive everything that heaven has for you. All right, so that you can grow and that you can overcome. I mean, a lot of these churches, they're teaching people, well, you can't even overcome. If you're sick and you're dying, you're just going to die. If it's God's will for you to die, that's, it's gonna be, that's gonna, what's going to happen. Again, false teaching gets you in trouble. And that's what Jesus was bringing correction to the other churches. One church, the church of Philadelphia, did he not bring correction to? He was encouraging to them. But he still warned them about overcoming, being an overcomer. And he's saying the same thing to all of us today. Amen? Hallelujah. Did you get something out of this? Praise God. Well, if you, you, you can go back on Facebook.